last time that we were together, the last king that we looked at, was uh, Jehoiachin, or Jeconiah, or Coniah. Uh, Jehoiachin was an evil king, did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord, and he was replaced very quickly. He was on the throne in Jerusalem uh, just a short period of time, and then he was replaced. He has a very interesting ending, and we'll see that uh, just in one moment. But I recognize now that uh, here is uh, our, our brother Jeremiah, and he's preaching the word to this southern tribe, to the southern kingdom, the little kingdom of Judah. There's not much left of Judah. Uh, Judah is in a, in a perilous state. This is hard to see, uh, but right here in this darker gray is the little kingdom of Judah. Very small in comparison with the kingdoms of the world, particularly with uh, Babylon and Egypt, and whom they've had to deal with. The Assyrians overtook them. And remember, because Judah was rejecting God's word, God said he was going to send nations against them. Moab went against them. Edom went against them. Simeon now no longer is in existence. They're, they're out of the way. But the, the tribes of the world, after Nebuchadnezzar went all the way back up into Babylon, the tribes of the world attacked, attacked, attacked. And Jeremiah is there in the midst of that. Just imagine, you wake up one day, and here's the Moabians. You wake up this day, here's the Moabites. You make up, like, wake up this day, here's the Edomites. They keep attacking, attacking, attacking. And Jeremiah has to continually preach the word of God, saying, God said this would happen. If you do not repent, it will continue to happen. If you refuse to repent, it will be, repent, it will be total, total annihilation. So he has a difficult ministry at best. Turn with me, please, to 2 Kings chapter 24. 2 Kings 24. Remember, we're talking about Jeremiah, and these are the last days of uh, the king Jehoiachin. Let's pick it up, if we could, in 2 Kings, and I'm interested in chapter uh, 24. 2 Kings 24. Look at verses 8 and 9, please, of 2 Kings 24, verses 8 and 9. And Jehoiachin was 18 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned in Jerusalem three months, and his mother's name was Nashatah, and, um, verse 9, and he did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord, according to all that his father had done. Not his father uh, uh, Josiah, Josiah was a godly king, but remember it was his heritage all the way back to uh, the wickedness of, of the kings before his father. So he did that which was evil according to all his grandparents, if you would, all the way back there. Notice what happens to him, please, in uh, 24, starting in verse 10. And at the time, the servants of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came up against Jerusalem, and the city was besieged. This was the time of war. Uh, every nation had a time of uh, peace where they'd go back, they'd uh, regroup, they'd gather their troops together, they'd be refreshed to get rearmament, and then in the spring of the year, they'd go back to war. Well, that's what happened here. And Nebuchadnezzar comes up against Jerusalem. Now, this is the third time. This is the second time, rather, this attack takes place, at least the second time. In verse 11, And Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came against the city, and his servants did besiege it. 
And Jehoiachin, king of Judah, went out to the king of Babylon, he and his mother and his servants and his princes and his officers. And the king of Babylon took him in the eighth year of his reign. And he carried him out from there, all the treasures of the house of the Lord, the treasures of the king's house, and cut in pieces all the vessels of gold which Solomon, king of Israel, had made in the temple of the Lord, as the Lord had said. Remember, the Shekinah glory has left. Ezekiel described that. And now what's left is the gold in the temple. And the term to cut in pieces really was to cut up pieces from uh, which means they just simply cut off the gold. Remember, the entire inside of the temple was overlaid with gold. It was on the wood. It was on everything, all the olive wood, all of the uh, cedar. It was all cut off there, and the gold was kept and brought back. So the temple now is in almost total devastation. In verse uh, 14, and he carried, away all, he carried away all Jerusalem and all the princes and all the mighty men of valor, even 10,000 captives and all the craftsmen and smiths. None remained except the poorest sort of the people in the land. So the first wave, he took all of the brilliant scholars and was teaching them, and Daniel was included in that. The second wave, he takes away all the artisans, all those with abilities to, to create, to build, uh, some of the most brilliant people in the world were the Jewish people, and still are the Jewish people, by the way. Uh, if you think of the sock vaccine, and many, 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 many medical breakthroughs have been by Jews. Not only that, they have an ability to be able to produce, and uh, they, uh, their agriculture is beyond description. Uh, many farmers in the United States go to Jerusalem to learn about their agricultural abilities. Uh, they're brilliant people, but God said that he was going to judge this people if they would not repent. So Nebuchadnezzar is there and takes away everything. Picking it up, please, in verse 15, and he carried away Jehoiachin to Babylon and the king's mother and the king's wives and his officers and the mighty of the land who ca he carried away captive uh, from Jerusalem unto uh, Babylon. So he brings all these servants with him, he, all these captives, all this trade. Now, many of them were sold off. Many of them were used uh, in, uh, in uh, labor camps, etc. But recognize that Nebuchadnezzar, in this particular siege now, uh, leaves, takes Jehoiachin, and he sets up another king. Pick it up in 2 Kings 24, starting right, please, in uh, verse... Um, Verse 17, and the king of Babylon made Mathaniah his father's brother's uh, king in his stead and changed his name to Zedekiah. Now, the second king's passage makes it very clear that this uh, Mathaniah was Josiah's youngest son. Jehoiachin was a son to one of Josiah's sons, so he was really a grandson. So now an uncle is made, the last son of uh, Josiah. So he was a, this uh, Zedekiah was a full brother of Jehoahaz. They had the same mother and same father. So Zedekiah is the last Jewish king to sit on the throne. He's, he's it. The next one will be Messiah. The next one. This is the last king to sit on the throne in the land of Israel, as far as a legitimate king. Other kings came along, uh, disgusting, debased men, 
and all you need to do is uh, take time to uh, look at those, uh, those people. For example, uh, the king that was over um, the Lord Jesus, uh, Herod, and so forth. Okay, let's continue on if we could now, please. We're in the book of uh, 2 Kings. Look with me, please, starting right in verse uh, 17. And the king of Babylon made uh, Mathaniah, his father's brother, king in his stead, instead of Jehoiachin's, uh, this was Jehoiachin's uncle, and changed his name to Zedekiah. And Zedekiah was 20 and 1 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned, and his mother's name was Hemutal, and the daughter of Jeremiah of Libna. This is not Jeremiah that we know, the writer of the book. This is another Jeremiah. And verse 19, and he did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord, according to all that Jehoiakim had done. So he's just as bad as his brother. Just as bad as far as being a king and Judah. Now, Jehoiachin is taken captive. So now we're back in our study. And Jeremiah must have woke up in the morning. Baruch brought him his coffee in the morning. And Jeremiah would have said to Baruch, who's king today? Who's on the throne today? That's not funny, but recognize that this is how it was traveling for this man. Who's going to conquer us today? Which nation's going to take us over today? Why won't these people listen to God? Why won't they repent? One after another, they're taken over, they're taken over, they're taken captive. And so now we have Zedekiah on the throne. In the meantime, Jehoiachin is all the way back in Babylon. Now, just to see the end of his life, I think Harry mentioned this last week, but I want you to see this. Turn with me to Jeremiah chapter 52. Jeremiah chapter 52. In Jeremiah chapter 52, Nebuchadnezzar's son, when Nebuchadnezzar uh, died, one of his sons took the reins for a certain amount of time, a very short period of time. And uh, your Bible, your English Bible, uh, my King James Bible, calls him uh, evil Merodach. Evil Merodach. Uh, the term there, evil, makes it sound like he's an evil guy. Well, he was. He was kind of a vile guy, but that wasn't his real name. Uh, his real name, Chaldean, was Amel, Amel Marduk. Amel Marduk. And what that is, is uh, he was um, God's purpose, if you would, or God's blessing on Marduk, which was one of the Chaldean gods, a pagan god. And uh, you don't need to look very far into this pagan god and you can see the filth that goes along with it. But this man was placed on the throne. He was only there for a little while. He's one of the sons of Nebuchadnezzar, of which he had dozens. But he was one of the sons of, of uh, Nebuchadnezzar. And when he was enthroned, he did the same thing that Pilate did to the Lord Jesus. And, and this is how it works out. Because I'm such a great king, and I'm such a wonderful leader, I want to I pardon some people. I want to I give uh, some people some pardon here so everyone will like me. 
Now we have a king in prison, and his name is Jehoiachin. He is a king from Judah, from the Jews, and I'm going to pardon him. I'm going to give him a seat at my table. Remember, a pilot said, who do you want me to release? Judas, I mean Barabbas, or Jesus, and the people chose Barabbas. Well, um, because this king, such a wicked person, but yet this, this, this pardoning thought in his mind, and we have that today, do we not? We're not, we're not presidents are outgoing. They usually pardon a whole bunch of people. And it depends whether the news likes that person or not, but um, often a lot of it is overlooked. Who they pardon? They pardon a whole bunch of people. Well, that's exactly what was going on here. And so evil Marduk, if you would, picking it up in Jeremiah 52, uh, right in verse uh, 31. And it came to pass in the seventh and thirtieth year of captivity of Jehoiachin, king of Judah. So this guy's been in jail for quite some time now, prison. In the five and twentieth day of the month, that evil Mar Merodach, king of Babylon, in the first year of his reign, lifted up the head of Jeconiah, king of Judah. Now it doesn't say he cut it off. He lifted him up out of, out of prison here, and he brought him forth out of prison, and he spoke kindly unto him, and set his throne above the thrones of the kings that were with him in Babylon. Now, who were those kings in Babylon? They were all in jail. The media Persian Empire now rules, uh, not media Persia, the Babylonian Empire at this point rules the whole world, the whole world. And uh, I won't take time, a lot of time with this. But Babylon now has, the Chaldean Empire, has conquered all of what's known as the, the world here, and the Medo-Persian Empire even moved out further than it. But Babylon now is the king of the whole world, including Egypt. They've, they've, they've taken over everything. Now what's interesting is we're going to see that Zedekiah thinks, well, I can, I can, I can fight against Babylon. Here he is in just everything's against him, the Lord's against him, but he thinks he can fight against Babylon because he thinks that he can have the Egyptians side with him. Egypt now is Babylonian uh, territory. But Zedekiah doesn't know any of this. He's just fooled by his own uh, wishes, by his own whims. But now Jehoiachin is back there in prison, and he's released out of prison with and he's lifted above all the other vassal kings, all the other kings that are in tribute to, to, um, to Nebuchadnezzar's son. And what happened? And notice, and he changed his prison garments, and he did continually eat bread before him all the days of his life. Verse 34, and for his diet, there was a continual diet given him by the king of Babylon every day, a portion, until the day of his death, until the days of his life. So um, Jehoiachin uh, enjoyed his meals till he went to hell. He ate the king's food till he went to hell. There's no sense of repent in any of this. Say, well, you don't know. Yeah, but God knows, and he would have said something. <laughs> There's no repentance. This, this guy was evil in the sight of the Lord. And even though he got out of prison, let's say he caught a break, if you would, when he died, he went straight to hell. Incredible, incredible thought. 
Okay, so he's mentioned right into the last days, if you would. Now go back with me. We're running out of time quickly. Head back with me to 2 Kings again, please, in chapter 24. Remember, Kings, 2 Kings, Chronicles, are the history books of the Old Testament. They're beautiful, beautiful history books that tell us the last half of the Old Testament. If you go to Genesis, whatever things were written in earlier times were written for our learning. We, go, we, we see how God progressed through this. And one thing that's most interesting is God has a sovereign plan that he's working out through all this. It's, it's a tapestry, if you would, that God is moving through this tapestry. And though men cannot see the tapestry, it's right there in the mind of God, and he's working it out according to his perfect will. So Zedekiah is on the throne now. And we're in uh, 2 Kings 24 and verse 18. And Zedekiah was 21 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 11 years in Jerusalem. And his mother's name was uh, Hamutal, uh, and he was the daughter of Jeremiah of Libna. And he did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord, according to all that Jehoiakim had done. Notice, for through the anger of the Lord it came to pass in Jerusalem and Judah until he was that he cast them out of his presence that Zedekiah rebelled against the king of Babylon. So Zedekiah gets upset. He's paying tribute to the king of Babylon, and he thinks that if he, uh, if he just sides with Egypt, that he will now have a friendly nation that they can flee to, or at least that will help him out as he fights against the king of Babylon. It's interesting that though Zedekiah was not a, a friend of Jeremiah, he calls Jeremiah into his presence. And the reason he calls him into his presence is because he recognizes that Jeremiah has a direct line to God. And, you know, that's not uncommon, is it, uh, when you look at the prophets? Often the king would call him, and I hate this guy, but I want to, I want to, in fact, hear what he has to say because he speaks for the Lord. Uh, Micaiah rep represents that, remember? And so uh, he calls Jeremiah before him. Let's look at that for a moment, please. Head with me to Jeremiah chapter 21. Jeremiah chapter 21. And look with me, please, at verses 1 and 2. Zedekiah was not a friend of Jeremiah, not at all. And Jeremiah, look at verse 1. Jeremiah 21.1, And the word of the Lord came unto Jeremiah from the Lord, when King Zedekiah sent unto Pashur, the, the son of Mal, Malchijah, the... Uh, and Zephaniah, and the son of whoever these guys are, verse 2, inquire, I pray thee of the Lord for us, for Nebuchadnezzar king of Babylon maketh war against us. If so be that the Lord will deal with us according to all his wondrous works that we may go up, that he may go up from us. See that? Zedekiah sends the priest to Jeremiah to find out and to, from, from the Lord is can we survive this? Can we get away with this? Uh, he's not looking for salvation. Yes, here's how you get away from it. Teach the people to repent. Here's how you get away from it. Follow the word of God. Here's how you get away from it. Kosher yourselves the way you're supposed to. Do what God told you to do. And often we have people, do we not, 
you've, people have come to you, they come to me. And they want to know, how can I get out of this mess? Well, you got yourself into it. Because you wouldn't follow the Lord. Here's how you get out of it. Follow the Lord. Here's how you get, you may have to go through some painful things. But here's how you get out of it. You follow the Lord. And you know, it's interesting that so many people in a time of crisis, they want to know about God. But when the crisis is over, something else is more pleasurable. When, when everything's going fine, who needs the Lord? See? So Zedekiah since wants to know, can we get, escape the king of Babylon? The answer to that is, no, you can't. No, you can't. As a matter of fact, Ezekiel said the same thing. Turn with me to Ezekiel chapter 17, please. Ezekiel chapter 17. And look with me at verse 11. Ezekiel 17 and uh, verse 11. This is Zedekiah's rebellion. Now, remember, he's looking for the king of Egypt to, to save him out of this, save him from the king of Babylon. The king of Egypt is hiding. He's swimming in the Nile somewhere with a straw, trying to hide from the presence of Nebuchadnezzar. Verse 11, Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Ezekiel, Say now unto the uh, rebellious house, Know ye not that these, uh, that these, what these things mean? Tell them, behold, the king of Babylon has come to Jerusalem and has taken her king and her princes and has led them with him to Babylon and hath taken the king's seed and made a covenant with him and hath taken an oath of him and he also has taken the mighty of the land that the kingdom might be base and that it might not lift up itself but that it might keep his covenant uh, that it might stand. But he rebelled against him in sending his ambassadors unto Egypt that they might give him horses and many people. Shall he prosper? Shall he escape that, uh, that which he does? A such a thing? Or shall he break the covenant and be delivered? As I live, saith the Lord God, surely in the place where the king dwelleth, who made him king, whose oath he despised, and whose covenant he is broken, even with him in the midst of Babylon shall he die. See, God's letting Zedekiah know, no way are you going to escape. No way are you going to get out of this. Ezekiel told him, Jeremiah told him, everyone's telling Zedekiah, but what's he going to do? The same as he wants. Whatever he wants to do, that's exactly what he's going to do. And you know what's interesting? If, if the king of Egypt had in fact helped, if the king of Egypt had in fact, in, in fact helped Judah, and had they been successful, then that means Babylonian the Babylonian Empire would not have been the first kingdom to rule the world. And that would have meant God's word was wrong. Remember what Daniel said? The first empire, Babylon, not Egypt. Egypt is not mentioned as far as a rule leader in, among the Gentiles, are they? Though, they? though they were mighty and though they conquered a lot, they were never a world empire. Now why is that? Because God said there would only be four. Chaldean, the Babylonian Empire, the Medo-Persian Empire, the Grecian Empire, and the Roman Empire. They would be the only empires ever to rule the Gentile world. And so here's Zedekiah thinking he's going to have king of Egypt, Nico II, come up here and take over. It's not going to happen, sir. 
and it's not going to happen because you will not repent. What happened? Turn back with me to uh, Jeremiah again, please. I'm sorry, 2 Kings chapter 25. I want to try to get through this, but I'm not going to be able to. But head back with me to 2 Kings chapter 25. Nebuchadnezzar comes back for the third or fourth and final time. Actually, he does not come back. He sends uh, his uh, generals back. He's taken everything he wants. Remember the beauty of the temple? There was a 10,000 gallons pool uh, made of bronze overlaid with gold. There was a 10,000 uh, gallon pool up on the temple mount that they cut in pieces and they took. Incredible. Incredible. Well, anyway, what happened? Well, pick it up in chapter 25, 2 Kings 25, verse 1. It came to pass in the ninth year of his reign, in the tenth month, in the tenth day of the month, that Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came he and all his host against Jerusalem and encamped there, and they built fortresses round about it. And the city was besieged unto the eleventh year of King Zedekiah, and on the ninth day of the fourth month, the famine prevailed in the city, and there was no bread for the people of the land. Eighteen-month siege against the city. Horror of horrors. No food. No way to get any food. We, we have a food pantry here, and there's no reason for anyone in the United States to be without food. There's no reason. There's food pantries all over the world. Why they don't go and get it, I do not know. I cannot know, but I know this. There's no reason. There's a reason why these people couldn't eat. Nebuchadnezzar's out there. If you go out there, they're going to cut you in pieces. They're going to strip your skin from your body. They stayed inside for 18 months and starved. They began eating their own children. Now, that's nothing new. That happened to Israel, remember? Where uh, I won't have you go there now, but you can go all the way back uh, to the book of uh, 2 Kings. And for example, in chapter 6, when Israel, Samaria was surrounded. And they were selling droppings from a pigeon for a week's wages just to have something to flavor soup. Now, I don't know if I've never tried drop soup, uh, but they, they, uh, they cut their, their dead children and ate them. And God said to Judah, if you do not repent, you will be like Israel. You'll be like the northern tribes. And they would not repent. They would not repent. Now we're going to look at the final fall, if we can, a little later on. But what's so interesting about this is God had already told them that. I won't have you turn there, but you can go all the way back to Leviticus when God says the cursings upon you as a nation, they're just new in the land. The cursings upon you as a nation, if you don't honor me, uh, this is what will happen, and part of it was cannibalism of their own children. God warned them a thousand years ahead of time, and they would not. God is warning unsaved people today. Without Christ, you will go to hell, 
and you will be tormented forever and forever. That's the purpose of missions, is it not? It's our purpose to tell people about the Lord Jesus Christ and to warn them. God has a wonderful plan for your life. Your best days are now, Joel Olstein. Yeah, if you don't receive Jesus Christ, this is the best you're going to do because total judgment is coming upon you. When God speaks, his word is truth, and it will always come to pass, always, always, always come to pass. These people didn't believe it, and they suffered and died who knows how many of them went directly into hellfire. Well, next time we meet together, Lord willing, we're going to see just this, this uh, final days in Judah and what happened there. And then we'll get back into some more of Jeremiah. But just imagine what it was like for this great servant of God to be there and to see these things taking place and to plead and beg the people. Don't do this. Don't do this. Don't do it. That's why he's called the weeping prophet. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for your word. Lord, this Old Testament book shakes us. It shakes us to our core. You are a God of truth. Your word will not return void unto you. It will accomplish that in which you have sent it. And Father, we believe you. We trust your word. We also know, Lord, that you tell us as Christians that one day we will stand before the Bema seat of Christ and will we receive that which we have done in our bodies, whether they be good in service to you or useless in service to our flesh. Father, help us to recognize as real as the, the, the judgment of Jeremiah came, so the judgment of believers will come. One day we will all stand and give account to you for how we have served you. Father, help us to recognize we need to get going. We, we need to spend uh, more money on missions than, than pet supplies. We need to be more uh, ready to serve you than to uh, hurry off and, and do that which is pleasurable. Father, help us to recognize our time is short. Give us the, the grace and the wisdom to to be doers of that word, and not just hearers only. We thank you for our security in Christ, and we pray that each one of us, Father, would have opportunity to speak of you and to help other believers to walk with you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.